Thanks for joining us here on the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Eric Roges, and I'm the executive pastor here at Rolling Hills. This week, we're starting to approach the end of our series, Masterclass. As we open scripture to chapter 14 of the Gospel of Mark, we'll hear about the days leading up to the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus is betrayed, accused, arrested, tried, beaten, disowned, and condemned to death. But this was all according to plan, and nothing happened that Jesus did not foresee and willingly accept for our sake. And even in the mistreatment, Jesus remained King of the kingdom of God, Lord of all. Let's hear more about Jesus' last days together. All right, amen. Hey, my name is Brandon Billups. I am the college and young adults pastor at Rolling Hills. It is awesome to be with you guys um, today. I wanna introduce my family to you. I've got a picture so I can show you just a little bit about me. That's my beautiful wife, Bridget, my two boys, Beckett and Brady. Yeah, we're all bees. We didn't, I never thought I'd be that family. We're now that family and we're adorable. Um, the kids are doing fantastic. The oldest is about to go to kindergartens, so parents are not doing okay. Just please pray for us as we go through that. That is, that's fun. Um, hey, I also want to say if you are a young adult, I'm the College Adults Pastor. I'd love to meet you. Um, we have programming every Thursday night where we, uh, we have free food. We study God's word. We have a lot of fun. We have free food. So love for you to come out for that sometime. Hey, this series has been so fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed this masterclass series as much as I have. Being able to walk through like the life of Jesus, kind of seeing in order, looking at like, oh man, Jesus did this and then this, and then he went and did this and like, oh, and then he's going to approach the Pharisees and oh, they're not going to like that. And then he's going to go to like, I, it's so cool to see how it is all uh, lined out and how, how Jesus has um, gone and everything he's done has been intentional. It's been in an intentional order. Um, last week, you guys heard an incredible message from Jacob Thomas. He's telling his disciples about the end times, and that was intentional because this week, everything is about to shift. In Mark 14, everything is about to shift. Like, Jesus has come. He's done his miracles. He's preached the word. He has stood up to the powers that be, and the religious leaders at this point are fed up with it. They are fed up with Jesus taking their power taking their influence, making them look like fools all the time. They're fed up with him. They're going to start preparing to arrest him. But today, as we talk, really what I want us to see today, we're going to walk through this story, this, like David mentioned, there's like 70 something verses. We're not going to read every verse. So I would encourage you to read this on your own so you can see every single verse. We're going to skip some stuff. We're going to paraphrase some stuff um, so that we're not here for two hours today. Um, but what we're really going to be hitting on today is the fact that in our, at our worst, Jesus wants us to run to him. When I look at my oldest, um, Beckett, he's, he's six now, and he's a daddy's boy. And my wife would tell you that he is a daddy's boy. He just, we joke all the time because he just says daddy like a billion times a day. Like he'll just be like, daddy, daddy, daddy. When he, like whatever he needs, like he's yelling, daddy, 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 daddy. In fact, there's sometimes where he's like, daddy. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, daddy. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, daddy. I'm like, all right, buddy, just like spit it out. Like, what do you want to show me? What do you want to tell me? And he's also in this stage where he hasn't incorrectly learned that you shouldn't um, tell people about when you mess up. Right, he's in this stage where he just like, when he does something wrong, he just, he just tells you. He just tells you, right, he doesn't know that he should hide that, which he shouldn't, right? But he hasn't learned incorrectly by our culture that you should hide all of that. And so like when I'll pick him up from school and I'll be like, buddy, how was your day? And he's like, I got a strike. 
I'm like, oh, all right, just confession right up, right up, right up top. Um, okay, well, what'd you get a strike for? I ran to the playground. I shouldn't have run to the playground, but I really wanted to go to the playground. I was so excited. I ran. I shouldn't have ran. I was like, all right, buddy, that's okay. And I get to be there and love him. Like, hey, we're going to do better the next time. You know, it's okay. But like, I love that he is in this place where like he messes up and he just tells daddy right away. He just immediately tells me right away because listen, this is exactly how we should be with God. <laughs> Right? This is exactly how we should be with our heavenly father of like whatever's going on in our life. We should be like, daddy, 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 daddy. Because he hears us and he wants to hear from us. We're going to dive into scripture um, here in a second. I told you it, it's a lot today, so, but we're not going to go verse by verse. We're going to start in verse three. But before we dive in, let me pray for us and then we'll dive into God's word. God, God, we love you. We praise you, God, that you are good God, that we get to read about the sacrifice that you're going to make for us today, God. And we get to praise you for your gospel, for your good news, God. As we go through this scripture, God, I just pray that, God, you would illuminate it for us so that we can understand it. God, show us something fresh today. Show us something new today, God. Help us to learn to be a little bit more like you today, God. God, I pray that I would just get out of the way, God, and that you would just speak to all of us in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to start in verse 3, so let's jump in. All right, here we go. While he was in Bethany, talking about Jesus, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Can you imagine taking something as valuable as, as a year's worth of wages, like anointing Jesus with it, and then a bunch of jerk dudes start like rebuking you for it, right? And, and here's what I love about this is she didn't ask their permission, <laughs> She did this, and I love what Jesus' response was. She said, she's preparing me for burial. Here's the deal. No one else understood what was happening. No one else at this point understood what Jesus was about to do for them. The disciples hadn't yet. I'm pretty sure Peter and John were probably over in the corner still arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom when Jesus is the king of Israel, right? Like they still hadn't gotten it, but Mary got it. And she is anointing Jesus with her most valuable asset she has. And she's making a statement saying, like, I know the sacrifice you're about to make for me. What is a year's wages compared to that? And then we're going to see a shift takes place in verse 10. This is where the big shift is going to take place. Mark 14, 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. This still baffles me, that, that Judas would betray Jesus. Like, why would he do that? He had walked with Jesus for years, for three years. He had followed him. He had seen the healings. He had seen the miracles. He had heard all of the teachings. Why would he do this? Well, I think part of it is we mentioned the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was coming to do. We can assume Judas was part of that. He didn't understand what Jesus was about to do. He was still thinking political leader, militant leader, going to overthrow Rome. 
He didn't get it either. Did Judas want money? Absolutely. I'm sure that was a part of it. Other scholars have even suggested that Judas expected Jesus to overthrow the Roman rule of Judea. So Judas betrayed him not for the money because of the political side. We don't know. Honestly, we don't know. Jesus, I'm sure, knew because even at the last supper, we're going to see here in a second, he's going to call out that this is going to happen. So look at this in verse 17. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, surely you don't mean me. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would better for him to have not been born. Can you imagine how the disciples must have felt at this dinner going, whoa, wait, one of us? Are you kidding me? Like, who is it going to be? Which one is going to betray Jesus? And the next, Jesus is going to point out they're all going to fall away. So look at verse 27. It says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you, will, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same thing. When I hear what Peter's saying here, like it sounds good. And I'm like, yeah, like I hope I would be that, that where I'm like, no way, Jesus, not me. Um, I decided a few years back that I was no longer going to say that could never be me. Right? You see someone else's mess up. You see someone else's failure. You see someone else like make a, a sin or have a big mistake in some way. I don't ever want to say that could never be me because pride comes before the fall. I want to have the attitude of, oh, okay, that could be me in the right situation with the right stressors, with the right temptation. It could be me. So I better stay connected to God. I better put some guardrails in place. I better be in the word to make sure that it is not me. I better stay prayed up because it's his strength, not mine. This leads us to our first point. Pride leads us to say that could never be me. That could never be me. Peter said, this will never be me. No way, Jesus, this will not be me. But in this situation, with this pressure. So after this, they're going to go to the garden. And Jesus is asking Peter and the disciples to do two things. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Jesus goes, he prays, he comes back, he finds Peter asleep, and look at what he says to him in verse 37. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think it's interesting that for Peter, we first see that it's his pride, right? Like, oh, that could never be me. And then Jesus is going to tell him, hey, you better watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. And he's not going to obey. He's not going to do it. He's going to choose comfort over that. And isn't this just like us? Like pride would say, hey, I don't, I don't have to get in my Bible today. It's one day. Like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to pray every day. I, okay, if I miss one day of church, big deal. <laughs> like it's one day, and, and then maybe uh, it's two days. It's, it's just like it's a week. Like I've been in church my whole life. Like do I really need to be in God's word every single day? Like it's no big deal. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> the problem is we're all okay until we're not okay. We're all fine until we're not fine. We gotta watch and pray. Look at verse 41. 
Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared with him. Oh, appeared with him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal for them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. This is Peter. By the way, we see that in another gospel, and I'm also assuming he wasn't aiming for his ear, but that's what he hit. (laughs) Verse 48, am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Why is verse 51 and 52 in there? I don't know the answer, but if you ever wonder if the Bible is funny, there you go. So what's going to happen after this is Jesus is going to go before the Sanhedrin. They're going to question him on everything. Jesus is going to say without a shadow of a doubt, I am the Messiah. I am he. Like he is not going to cave for a second to anybody to get him out of dying on that cross. And and he wanted to, right? Because we hear him pray to God, say, God, if you'll take this cup from me, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, take it. So we know that Jesus didn't want to do it, but he doesn't cave. So at that point, they have heard enough. They begin to spit on him, blindfold him, beat him. And while all that is happening over here, here's what's happening to Peter over here, verse 66, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you were talking about, he said, and he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them again he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Peter is at his lowest moment. Jesus, who Peter proclaimed was the Messiah, he was the first one to be like, Jesus, you're the Messiah. He's the first one uh, who he followed for three years. He saw all the miracles. He saw all the teachings. He saw the healing. He was on the, the mountain when he was transfigured. She, like This is Peter, he, who he had just said, under no circumstance will I deny you. I will die with you if I have to just denied him three times. And you know what's interesting is we saw how it started. It started with that, oh, that could never be me. There's no way that could never be me. Jesus tells him, hey, watch him pray. He chooses comfort instead. He chooses a nap instead. Man, this is us. 
Like our pride would tell us that this won't be me. This won't be, this isn't ever gonna happen to me. So we don't put those guardrails up. We don't connect with God because we feel like we are in control and we choose comfort over things that matter. And listen, I, I am the chief of sinners when it comes to that. There is, it is so easy to find comfort. It, like one of the hardest things about the time that we live in and the culture we live in, um, like in the country we live in, is that we think we have everything we need. We do, like if we're not comfortable, it doesn't take much to find comfort. It, if we, we can distract ourselves from reality so fast, oh man, I don't wanna deal with that. Netflix, phone, put whatever it is in that blank. We can distract ourselves so easily. Here's your next point. It takes self-discipline to choose connecting with God over the, the distractions in our lives. It takes self-discipline to choose connecting with God over the distractions in our lives. I mean, we've all been there, right? Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, I know I should read the Bible, but I really want to sleep a little bit longer. I know I should get in God's word. I know I should pray, but man, I've, I've got to get this world done before the kids wake up or there's no time for that later. And then, hey, I got this or this, whatever. Or maybe the kids wake you up. Like whatever it is, it's so, there's a spiritual battle happening here. Jesus is calling us to watch and pray. Watch and pray. If you were here last week, right, you heard from Jacob Thomas, an awesome, the main point was like, of the, that whole chapter is watch, keep watch, stay on guard, stay awake. We need to watch and pray. Here's three things we need to be watching and praying for. Number one, watch that we aren't deceived. Number one, watch that we aren't deceived. Now, how do we make sure that we're, we aren't deceived? By knowing the truth. See, if we're in God's word, if we know the truth, it's going to be real hard for someone to deceive us. That's why we got to stay in God's Word number two, watch that we aren't distracted from eternal things by temporary things. Watch that we aren't distracted from eternal things by temporary things. Judas was distracted by 30 silver coins. Peter was distracted by a nap. I don't know who said this. Someone a lot wiser than me said this one time. Um, I don't remember who, though. I wish I could quote him. But they said, listen, in the end, only three things will remain. God... God's word, and the souls of people. So if you want to invest in something that matters, if you want to invest in something eternal, you invest in one of those three things, God, God's word, or the souls of people. What are you investing in? What are you investing your time and your energy and your life in? Number three, pray because we don't do this in our own strength. Right? This is where Peter missed it. He's like, hey, that'll never be me. I got this. Oh, they're coming to take Jesus. Let me get my sword out and swing it at somebody. He was trying to do it in his own strength. It's in our weakness he is strong. If we try and do things in our own strength, we will fail every single time. We pray, we give it to God. When I was studying this chapter, there's something that stood out to me. Uh, we see the stories of two disciples failing messing up. We see Judas and we see Peter. But what's interesting is how they responded to that failure is very different. It's, it's very different. So um, I'm going to do so. I'm going to take us out of Mark so we can see the end of these stories. And I don't know if that's allowed, but Jason's not here. So <laughs> here we go. First, we see Judas, 
right? Judas obviously betrayed Jesus, messed up. But you know what? Judas didn't go off and live his life with his 30 silver coins. He didn't go buy his private island, get a mansion, and live his dream life with his newfound money. No, as soon as Jesus was condemned, he felt such remorse that he went back to the people that paid him in the temple and he takes the money and he throws it in. Like I would imagine, like I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine he took it and threw it at those people and said, no, he's an innocent man. And then he goes and he hangs himself. This is all before Jesus dies. He missed it. He missed what Jesus was coming to do. He didn't understand the grace that was coming, the love that was coming, the sacrifice that was coming. I can't help but wonder, like, man, if Judas would have repented, not just been remorseful, but repented and ran back to Jesus, what would Jesus' response have been? It's interesting to think about. Then we have Peter. Peter also messed up. His pride led to his fall. He denies Jesus three times to save his own life. You can imagine, like, once Jesus dies on the cross those next three days, this would have just been eating at Peter. Like, he would, you can imagine this would have been every thought, like, man, like, how did, how did Jesus die? But also, like, what, were, what was he thinking? Like, he knows I betrayed him. He knows I denied him. He, he knows these things happen. Like, this would have just been eating at him. And we can also, by his actions, assume he thought he was done, right? Like, he, he had followed Jesus. He had been called out to be a fisher of men. But now Jesus is gone. He messed up. What is there for him now? So he goes back to fishing. And so he is fishing all night long at this point. They haven't caught anything. And while he's fishing, Jesus is going to show up. This is three days later. He's, he's standing on the shore. They don't recognize him. And what does he do? He tells Peter and the crew, cast your nets to the other side. Cast your nets to the other side. This, by the way, is the second time that Jesus has done this. The first time he did this, he was calling Peter to be his disciple. The first time he was calling, G calling Peter to be his disciple. And so when, P when Jesus is doing this miracle again, he is reminding Peter of his call. Here's your next point. Your failure doesn't change God's call. Your failure does not change God's call. You are not that powerful. I am not that powerful. What has God called you to that you've put off? Has God told, told you to tell, G, tell someone about Jesus? Has God called you to start a Bible study in your neighborhood or at work? Like what is God calling you to and what has held you back? I'm glad um, not everything is recorded that was said on that boat because I'm pretty sure Whoever was on that boat would have been like, what? Cast the nets on the other side, really? That's this guy on the shore's advice. The boats were 27 feet long and seven and a half feet wide. So seven and a half feet, we're talking from here to here. So the fishing advice to the professional fishermen is, hey, I see you've tried this spot, but have you tried this spot? I think that might be where the fish are. But they do it, and they have a miraculous catch. A career day, the greatest fishing day they will ever have in their entire lives happens. The Bible said it is a miracle that the nets did not break. And then Jesus tells Peter, it's the Lord. What does Peter do? He jumps off the boat to swim and get to Jesus as fast as he possibly can. 
He doesn't say, hey, turn, turn the boat around. Let's get to shore. No, he jumps off the boat to get to Jesus as fast as he can. And why is Peter the first one off the boat? Because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. We still have in our minds that when we mess up, we have to make it up to Jesus, right? Like, hey, then, then he'll forgive us. Then he'll love us. But Jesus isn't telling, hey, Peter, you want some fish? You better apologize, buddy. That's not what's happening here. No, he's just already lavishing his grace on Peter who has just messed up and that kindness is what is leading to repentance. So, he so they get on shore, the boat gets there, they bring in all the fish and I love this scene because here's what's happening. Jesus is already on shore, he's got a fire going, he's got fish and bread on the grill and he didn't need their a miraculous catch, he already had fish and he's cooking them breakfast. For Peter and the disciples and the crew and whoever was out there, he's cooking them breakfast. What would it look like in our lives is when people messed up against us, we did something for them. Someone sins against you, so you cook them breakfast. What would our marriages look like if when someone, when your wife or your husband does something to make you upset, so you make them breakfast? That's the gospel. That is, that is the gospel. That is what Jesus has come to do. This is how the gospel is operating now. Everything has changed from before he died on the cross to now after he has come back and risen from the dead, defeating sin and death. And so he gets everybody around. They eat breakfast together. And now he's finally going to address Peter. Look at this in John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked Peter three times, the same amount that Peter denied Jesus. But here's what Jesus is doing here. He's not rebuking Peter. He's not mad. He's not being mean. He's not focusing on the past and making the point that, hey, you messed up. He's reminding him of what he called him to do in the first place. So the whole miracle of the fish, doing the same miracle again was a reminder of, hey, remember when I called you the first time? And in the original catch, when it happened the very first time, you know what Peter does after Jesus does that miracle? It says he fell to his knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Jesus already knew he was a sinful man. And Jesus replies to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So he's doing this miracle again, and he's saying, hey, my call hasn't changed. I'm still calling you to fish for people. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, follow me. Peter, your failure doesn't change my call. Here's my question for all of us today. When you sin, do you run from God or to God? When you sin, do you run from God or to God? Judas was remorseful, but he ran from God, right? He ran away from God. Peter messed up, and when he sees Jesus, he jumps off the boat to run 
to him as fast as he possibly can get to him, to swim, to get to Jesus. This is exactly what God wants us to do. This is what God is calling us to do when we mess up, when we, when we sin. What do you run to? Do you run to the bottle? Do you run to a distraction? Do you run to something to numb the pain? Or do you run to Jesus? Because anything else other than Jesus won't satisfy and it won't heal the pain in our lives. God wants us to run to him. Jesus wants us to run to him. It's like, it's like my little six-year-old who everything is daddy, daddy, daddy. Hey, daddy, I got a strike. Like first thing, God wants us to be a six-year-old and just give it to him right away. I don't know what you walked in here with today. Some of you, man, maybe some of you have been carrying shame over something you have done for a long time. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, you don't have to carry that any longer. Jesus is telling you, you don't have to carry that's that shame. You know the difference between shame and guilt? Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. So how do we deal with shame? We deal with shame by reminding ourselves how God dealt with our guilt. We deal with our shame by reminding ourselves how God dealt with our guilt. It's been paid. Amen? It's been paid. We don't have to carry it any longer. You don't have to carry it any longer. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to read that again because it's really wordy, but it's so important. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Of God, So you, believer, are the righteousness of God. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your mess-ups. He sees Jesus. That is the deal that God made with us. That is the trade that he did for us, is that now God sees Jesus when he looks at us. All of our mess-ups, all of our failures, he looks at us, and we are the righteousness of God. And here's what's amazing about the gospel, is he's not waiting for us to clean ourselves up. He's not waiting for us to get our lives right so that he'll say, okay, now I approve of you. Now I love you. No, like, like when he is on the cross, he knows your very worst sin. He knows every dirty, disgusting thought you are ever going to have, and he still says that you are worth it. That is the gospel. That is what Jesus came to do. And so I don't know where you've been. Some of you out here might be thinking like, hey, God, Brandon, you don't know though. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've messed up. And I don't have to because I know that you can't outsend the blood of Jesus. If I could end like this, I want to encourage you today. And if you're carrying that shame, if you're carrying those mess ups and those failures, give it to God. Maybe you're, you're in this place and you. Man, you've never, you've, never made, you've never surrendered to Jesus. You've never said, all right, like, God, I'm, I've tried to do this on my own, but I'm done. <laughs> I surrender. I'm following you. I'm doing things your way. It's no longer about me, God. I'm following you. Man, maybe that's what God's calling you today. It's just to give everything over to Jesus, to surrender everything. Man, maybe he's been your savior, but now it's time he's your Lord. <laughs> Here's why I want to end just like this. Jesus wants you to run to him. He wants you to run to him with the little things, with the big things, with every single thing that's going on in your lives. Let me pray for us. God, we are so grateful today for your word.
God, that we get to stand up here and we get to talk about your goodness and your grace. God, and none of us in here deserve it. there's, There's nothing we could do to earn it. But God, you have lavished it on us. You have given it to us freely, God. I pray if there is someone in this room today that is struggling with shame, God. God, I pray you show them exactly who you are, God. That your spirit would be present on them. That your grace would just be all over them, God, so that they would understand exactly what you came to do, exactly how much you love them, God, and that they would let that go. They wouldn't carry it any longer because you don't want us to. You want to take that from us, God. If there's someone here today, God, that hasn't given their life to Jesus and they want to surrender everything and follow after you, God, I pray that they do that today and they they just finally say, God, I'm done doing this on my own. God, I give it to you. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you listened in on our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. We would love for you to share our content with the people in your life. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a sermon. Be sure to explore our other great podcasts like the Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're so thankful for you listeners. See you next time.